Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs, I think acting is psychology, right? Because it's just our human behavior. It's just our way of being in different circumstances. And I think we have to know thyself (laughs) to be a a good actor. You know, I always say you're not your best when you're a mess. When I was in my 20s, I loved being like, you know, really crazy and out there and chaotic. And then, but there was no center point of me really discovering who I was. And if you're burning the candles at both ends, what do you have? Just have the wick at the end, right? Like there's nothing left. So to start to have self-awareness is um, to me what creates some of the best acting. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Huh? What's the there's some damsels in the DM. Yeah. Yeah. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm off, and we have had a lot happen in the span of, I don't know how many days it's been since our last recording, maybe a week. So yeah, so in the episode you all are about to hear, you'll hear us talk about the project that I did about my coming of age story in Quaker school. And here in the time that we are recording this intro for you all, we have now finished filming it, which is so exciting. And the relief I feel is just immense. Oh my gosh, Lauren has literally been a chicken with its head cut off for I don't know how many weeks especially the last the last three or the last four or five days while she's been filming and now you guys get to experience the normal human side of her again yeah Ash was listening to the robot side for a while because I was just like working on these 12 hour days and then I did the event that I was moderating and I was just like not a human being I remember like when we first had dinner after I was done the moderating, I just like felt myself like fizzling down into human form. You know, I was like, I started to get tired because like the adrenaline was wearing off and I was like, wow, this is what it's like to be back in the world. I was really impressed because we filmed on Monday. That was the one that I was in and we started at like 6.15. We left the apartment. We got back to the apartment at 9.45 PM. So that was way more than 12 hours. And the next day I was completely beat. Like I went, I caught up on my nutrition school stuff. I got a massage. I just had a whole day of my own and I still felt so beat. But Lauren still filmed like a 12 day, uh, 12 hour day that day and then went straight to moderating uh, for this country club movie. And she was still okay enough to go to dinner, but I felt so tired. And I was like, no, if, I, if Lauren's doing it, then I can do it. Like, let's just, let's just see how far Lauren can go. And then finally, I think we went home at like 1130 and I was like, thank God. And then yesterday I ate like a chicken parm sandwich in bed at like 10 a.m. Because that yeah. was just the, that was what felt right at the time. It's so funny because I, um, I was staying with Lauren this whole time. So yesterday morning she texted me. She was like, do you want anything? Do you want a, a chicken parm sandwich or whatever you said? Do you want a sandwich? And I was like, it's 10 in the morning. I'm good on that. But thank you. So you live your life girl <laughs> but no it was so funny because so Ash leaves and I take a nap and I haven't napped like that in so long and it felt so good because I've just had this like tightness in my chest for like at least two at least a week maybe two yeah. weeks just being anxious about everything and then of course I wake up to a text from my producer being like have the scissors been returned now everyone just to inform you about these freaking scissors so Columbia is going to get mad at me. It's okay. For the risk policy, you have to use fake scissors, right? And um, we buy, we get these fake scissors and you have to pick them up in Brooklyn. Where it is in Brooklyn is about like an hour from my apartment. It takes an hour on the subway, like a 50 minute Uber. It took a while, right? As we were rehearsing with these fake scissors, we had bought fake bangs, right? 
And I had to cut the fake bangs regardless because um, they had to be like, you know, in a certain way for the film. So as I'm testing, not when I'm filming, don't worry, Columbia, I was fully with the risk policy. But as I'm testing it out beforehand, because I'm wearing them to see like what the length is going to be on my head, I accidentally cut a piece of my own hair off. Now, I am the SAG actor here, so I can't report or complain about this to anyone because it was totally my fault. But here's the freaking piece of hair. Damsel's exclusive. Nobody else is going to get to see it. But there you go, everyone. This is me being real with you all. <laughs> it happens. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then, like, I had completely, because we did that on Sunday. After that happens, I've completely forgotten about these scissors because we moved on. There was so much going on. Then I wake up from my nap yesterday. I get a text from Edie that's like, have the scissors been returned? I'm like, what do you mean? The scissors had to be returned back to Brooklyn at 6 p.m. But the scissors had been at Alicia's. Now, after I saw you, I had returned all the equipment to Columbia. I thought I was just chilling. But then I had to go back to Alicia's, go back to Brooklyn to return these scissors. And then I get another text that we had left something at the Quaker school that was part of our equipment. So I end up just staying in this Uber that I thought was going to be, that I didn't even know I was taking. So I go to, I stay in the same Uber to Alicia's in Chelsea, then to Brooklyn, then to another stop in Brooklyn, and then back to my apartment. And then I was so tired of running around the city, picking up all of these various items that today I put the item in an Uber to send to Crystal. And she was like, (laughs) um, She's like, why are you doing this? Like, I could have come pick it up. Like, this is like so unnecessarily expensive. And I was like, Crystal, if I have to pick up one damn thing in this town or go back to Columbia, I am going to lose my mind. So it is worth it to me to send this in an Uber to you. Yeah, agreed. Oh my God, I would have done the same thing. Or actually, no, I would have just been like, Crystal, come down here and get it, please. I can't like get rid of this. I had made that poor girl do so much for me. I couldn't ask for another thing. The fact that she was taking it to the production center was good enough. Yeah, that's very nice of her. It was really cool being on your set, though, because it was, you know, like it was actually it was it felt very professional. It was a big set, a lot of people there. And it was really cool to be part of something like that, because I've never really done anything like that before and being like, you know, a supporting role. So that was such a cool experience for me to like. We're a principal at that. That's what was reported to SAG. Um, Oh, nice. Great. Yeah. Love that. (laughs) But yeah, it went really well. And what was so crazy about it, and I've never really had this experience before, was that like I had just posted on Instagram saying like, if anybody would like to be a featured extra, let me know. And we got so many people from that and people who were PAs. And it just like made me have a lot of faith in humanity, you know, that people were just so helpful and like stayed way longer than they had to and gave everything to it. And then people were thanking me afterwards for the opportunity. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Thank you. Like you stayed so long. You were so great and so helpful. So like, Oh, just the gratitude, man. Like just so much gratitude to everyone who helped and like went above and beyond for it. It really worked out well. I, it's no offense to Alejandro because Defining Dota was amazing too, but it's the best set that I've ever done for sure. And I think it's just like, Defining Dota was amazing, but like you just grow so much. And like, even just from being in film school, like I just know so much more. And I think like you really develop the team that you want around you. And it, that is so crucial to have like a, a great team who's around to support you. And you know what you're doing now. Not that you didn't know what you were doing before, but now that you have all this information and knowledge from one year, like completing year one of grad school at Columbia for Film, you just know so much more and you have so much more available to you, all these resources and people uh, available to you, which is awesome. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was cool about it was that like, you know, in August I came here and I didn't know anybody in the film industry. Like I only knew my friends and I remember like being worried, like, who am I going to get to work on my projects? Because like all my contacts are in LA and you know, it's like a really cool experience to know that like just in a few months, you're able to make a whole new network of people, which I'm sure you'll have the same experience with in Paris. Yeah. I'm ho- I hope so. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, because just seeing you, develop all these friends and more than friends like they're like they've become your Columbia family and I love that each one of them cares about your project as much as they care about their own which is really cool to see a very nice collaborative environment I'm hoping that I you know I'm determined to have that same type of environment in Paris as well 
Yeah, the best feeling I think was when we were filming the meeting for worship scene and um, I could see Crystal and Sophia, my DP and AC behind the camera and they were so excited about the shot that they were like jumping around in the back, just like <laughs> fist bumping, so excited about it. And I think that's like when people are as excited about you and I think I told you, but we hired um, Jody Benson, obviously, you know, but for the listeners um, to play the role of my mom and oh my God, was she amazing? So amazing. And even as an actor, like, because this is an acting podcast, we talk about listening a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. just listening to Jody saying the lines like made me cry. And I had at no point been anticipating crying in that scene. It wasn't something I was looking for, for the character, but like just the active listening and acting with really phenomenal actors, like made the emotion come out. So I think like, you know, it was just a testament to like what we learn about in class that like, if you do the work previously, you know who the person is, and then you show up, you know, the lines, but you just choose to be present instead of like bringing in all of the thoughts that you had ahead of time makes all the difference. So, yeah. and you know, just a great testament to like when everybody comes and they do the job that they're assigned for, like you can make magic happen. I want to segue into our guest because that was the yeah. perfect thing that you just said that would be so You're perfect welcome. to segue into our guest. So I'm yeah. going to do that. But before I do that, guys, remember exactly what she said. Before I do that, Jody Benson, um, you posted the group shot of everyone when we had wrapped. And my old roommate, Kendall, actually, who you know from uh, USC, she responded to my story. Jody Benson wasn't even, there was no name on there. It was just, you know, a picture of all of us. And she was like, what the hell is happening? Like, Ariel? <laughs> she's like this is iconic <laughs> that's so funny she got so excited and I was like how did you know <laughs> but that was that was a really cool moment um seeing these people be like you know other people be like whoa that's so cool so dude I'm so proud of you you did such a phenomenal job and seeing your resilience and just your energy to get through this shoot plus do more outstanding and I already complimented you and I know we're done because I said a whole nice thing on Instagram so I'm going to end it there but segueing into our guest talking about being present and listening and just being in the moment and you know focusing on your character we had a really lovely thought with our guest coming up today who is Anthony Mindel who is a screenwriter an actor and also the founder of AMAW a huge school, huge acting school. I did their foundation course over there. It was, I think it was like six weeks. I know a bunch of other friends who did it too and just absolutely loved it because like what you were saying, we were able to, through his teachings, like just, I know learning lines is important and that's not what they are. Yeah. Um, they're not telling you not to learn your lines. Obviously, once you're doing the performance, learn your lines, but through the process of doing your character work, you do eventually learn the lines, but focusing on your character and making that more of a priority, just figuring out who you are as your character was something that I really was able to learn a lot from this school, but I'm excited to get into it and talk to Anthony a little bit more about it. Yeah. And it's so cool. Cause he was even talking about doing a workshop in Paris. So I yeah, mean, that'd be really cool. That would yeah. be really, really cool. If he did one, um, I would definitely go and I would take my friends with me too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have just come back from Europe and you are probably so jet lagged, but how are you? I'm jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, re-entry is hard. Um, it is. Where are you both based? East Coast, yeah? So She's Lauren LA. Is, yeah. <laughs> and I'm New York. I New was York. in LA for 10 years. I actually just moved to New York in August though, oh, wow. but okay. I was at Cannes for three weeks. So I came back and also had the same thing with the jet lag. And okay. Yeah. So I know what you're going through. Cause that was me last week. <laughs> yeah. How was Cannes? It was amazing. It was yeah. such a, it was my first time. So it was a really cool experience. Okay. I've never been. I heard it's like party on the yacht. Yeah, there were no yacht parties. No yacht parties this year? Because okay. the weather was really bad. I was okay. really bombed. I wanted there to be a yacht party. No yacht parties. But you know what? I was amazed at how they had things for filmmakers of like all levels. I think they do a really good job of it, that it's not just for like the glitz and the glam. Uh -huh. They do a good job of finding networking opportunities for everybody. So I thought that was cool. Cool, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's very pro filmmaker right like obviously Definitely. right it's such a reverence for film the art of film and 
Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, so what yeah. were you doing in Europe? Oh, wow. I mean, I was, it was our 10 year anniversary for our London school. So I know it's gone by so fast. I can't believe it. So I was there teaching an intensive, a couple intensives. And then we had this big karaoke party. It was super fun at our school. Um, and then I taught in Helsinki and I taught in Copenhagen. And then I went to Amsterdam because I'm in the process of, uh, I'm filming this climate crisis, uh, piece and they're, they're like love stories that take place all over the world. And I went to Amsterdam to scout this one location that's really incredible. So fingers crossed, we're going to get it and be able to film there. So yeah, it was quite the whirlwind, but really magical. And, you know, Europe is awesome. And yeah. So how do the love stories tie into the climate portion? Well, I mean, I've been a big, you know, uh, I, I guess I've been in the climate space for the last 10 years and I've done short about it and I have a couple other screenplays. I'm just really passionate about climate storytelling and I don't feel like we've really quite cracked that um, the understanding of how to tell that story, right? Like it's usually set in a dystopian future. It's usually sci-fi driven and it's the end of the world. And I think that's also part of the climate crisis that we keep uh, forgetting is that, and I get it, human beings don't make decisions today for long-term, you know, challenges. And I think that's part of the problem with climate is that we're backing ourselves up to making changes too late, right? Because that's just how human beings are wired, right? It's like you wait until the last minute, to, even if we look at our own individual lives, most people wait until the last minute to do the thing they don't want to get done. And so it's just human nature. But I think in terms of solving this crisis and what needs to be done, it's, it's having really, uh, horrible ramifications. And as you were just in Manhattan and you experienced the, you know, the pollution, yeah. the air pollution there was the worst than anywhere yeah. else in the world that week. Right. So in answer to your question, I, so I shot in Greece last year, this love story. So they're all love stories that take, there's one that takes place in China one that takes place in India. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, with the last name Patel, I'm sure. Wow, yeah, why okay. was I not wow. used in this? <laughs> <laughs> we, we should, we'll talk, we should talk. <laughs> we'll talk. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going there to film. We're actually working on the schedule right now. And and then um, one takes place in Venice. So they're all love stories that then tangentially kind of deal with a climate event. Because I think everybody can really relate to love stories, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to clobber them with like, oh, plastic's bad. and, and Turn off your AC. It's not like that. You know, I think that's also the challenge. We don't want to be preached at. So yeah, that's a really smart way to do it because I know that, I mean, I've during COVID on my Instagram, I would be preaching to the choir about climate change and all of this. And the feedback that I would get was just like, can you just tone it down a little bit? Oh no. I yeah. know. You know what? It's, it's also, I was thinking the other day too, a lot of it is driven by bots and the suppression of information, right? And there is a lot of just like misinformation. I, I just got really, I just, whatever, I get really worked up about it because to me, people who are climate denying in terms of that, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene just brought up, she's like, the climate's always been changing. Okay, yes, it has, but not to this extreme and not in such a short period of time ever in recorded history, right? Um, there was a a, a, a a like a fifty thousand year period called the um, oh my god this is my brain uh, the Paleocene Eocene thermal maximum where the temperatures shot up like we're kind of on that path but they shot up so fast like eight or ten degrees warmer than like what they are now which doesn't sound like a lot but anyway there were alligators at the in the Arctic it was a really crazy time but with the exception of that period that spiked very suddenly, most climate uh, cycles are really slow, right? And so the fact that we are experiencing this thing in such fast real time, anyway, I guess my point was she, she was saying, so like, yes, of course, when we look at the history, we see that climate changes, but that's over millions of years with the exception of that little period that I mentioned. But, um, but the denial that we are contributing to it, to me, Okay, if, if you want to believe that, that's fine. But I sometimes think, well, it's even scarier to think, per their argument, the climate is just changing. Well, that means if the climate is just changing, we're not contributing to it. That means there's nothing we can do about it. Then that's terrible. You know what I mean? 
I don't know if people have thought about it that way, but that argument about like, yeah, it's always changing. Human beings are not contributing to it. Well, then that means we're in big trouble. Yeah. So I just, I'm really passionate about it and trying to, as you can see, we could talk about it the whole time and I don't want to like, but I think actually you have to keep, you know, you have to keep posting. I think it's yeah. important because information is suppressed. I and agree. I, I think people have a lot of feelings about it. I know I do. Yeah. And, I, you know, and even though I've been in the space and I'm pretty knowledgeable about it, whatever that means, I sometimes get overwhelmed with my anxiety or my rage or my upset when I saw these photos, you know, uh, Lauren from, from New York. I was really, I think I was crying that day. I was really upset about it, maybe because how people were dismissing it. Yeah. And it just made me grieve a bit for the human condition and oh, human beings and... Yeah, yeah, well, and what was so interesting about it was that people in LA, from what I was hearing, were saying like, hey, people in New York, like, get over it. Like, this happens here all the time. Like, we're so used to the fires. It's like, why are we so used to this? Like, why should we be used to this? Like, we should be raising hell over this. We should be saying this is a horrible, awful thing to happen because the more we get adjusted to it, then what, we're just going to accept all the changes that are happening to our climate? Like, I think that is an insane way to react over it. That's right. The normalizing of it. Yeah. You know, right. that's, yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I mean, I heard that too. But even, Get over it, New York. Yeah. yeah. And even Lauren, she was telling me that she can only take Ernie, her little dog out for like maximum 10 minutes, even that yes. for a walk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. of how bad the air quality was. And my boyfriend, he has a cabin in Northern California. And oh. like there have been fires literally right by his house there before. And the air quality was still so much worse here than uh. when the fires were there right by his house. I think like the worst that it was when we were there was maybe 180 AQ. And here it was like 312. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we we forget about like, like the small hardships that we are going to be facing, like something as easy as just going out and taking your dog for a walk, you're going to be indoors, you know, like mm -hmm. these are really incremental things that are going to add up. And so I'm hoping, I don't know, I think I'm on the right track. We'll see. I'll keep you well, posted. Yeah. Ladies. And I love the fact that you use your knowledge about the industry and entertainment to bring change to that, because I think that people don't realize how impactful the entertainment industry and how showcasing these things in film is such a specific medium and way to show the world. So if you could walk our listeners back a little bit and talk about how you first became in the industry, I know you started with acting, just yeah. let everybody know how you became to getting to where you are right now. Oh, wow. I mean, the, the short story, right? I, <clears throat> I lived in New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. I worked in New York. I went to grad school in London. Then I moved to New York like any young 20-something. And I was, you know, I, I started, I worked in restaurants, of course. And then I slowly started to make my way and was booking plays and was working off Broadway a lot. And I started making a living. And then, you know, I moved to L.A. Um, in 1997. <laughs> it's crazy. Were you guys even born then? 1997 we yes we were born yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know like I think a lot of actors they go one coast or the other and I think LA was something that I was drawn to LA um and yeah and then I was working and I think you know I was working a lot commercially I uh tested for a pilot I was working a lot but I I also felt at that time I was really interested in at the same time in 1997 I started with like six students in my living room I like to joke. It was like with my patchouli incense and my <laughs> my Buddha that is still here. Wait, can you see it? Wait, where oh is gosh. it? Oh, it's kind of dark there, but you can oh, see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's big. <laughs> yeah, he's a big Buddha. <laughs> um, and my Persian rugs. Like we, I had six students and I just started, I just was really interested in rethinking kind of the, the I don't know, the language around acting and what acting is and what it isn't. And so... Yeah, that kind of set me on a trajectory of really uh, writing and reformulating what I think acting is and maybe uh, coming up with a new way. I don't want to say I came up with it because I do think it's what really great teachers are all trying to say the same thing. But really, for me, getting people out of their heads and understanding that something that is simple doesn't mean it's easy. But I think acting is quite simple. It's just what we're doing right now. <laughs> but it's really hard. So then when, when you started with those six students in your living room, were you still acting at that point? And were you still- Yeah, in, I was still acting. Yeah. And I was still going out for things. And I just, 
I just wasn't really that excited about some of the things that I was going out for, you know? Okay. And I just, yeah, I didn't want to do a procedural show. It just was not really getting me excited. And that's not, you know, no offense to anybody who's on those shows and making a living. It's just for me, it wasn't my jam, right? And yeah. so I thought, well, what what is something that... Also, I think for me, now that I look at my life, I've always... I think to be an actor sometimes is challenging because actors have amazing opinions and they're very collaborative. But for certain shows and certain styles, you're not expected or not, I don't want to say allowed, but you know, your job is not to be like, Hey, what if they don't care? Especially if it's a show that has a, it's a, an engine and you're not the lead or, I don't know, my, you know, I wasn't going out for any of the lead stuff. And so you, you know, you just have to hit your mark and say your lines and I think it can be sometimes reductive. And I, I, for me, I wanted to explore something more creative and challenging. It's so funny you bring that up because I was on set yesterday. Oh, okay. And I think most people are not used to LA actors like coming into the New York scene, you know? So all of the other actors that were on set were mostly from the theater world. And they were getting so disrupted by um, like, move your head to this angle and twist oh, right. your arm this way. Yeah. They were like, but what is my motivation? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would I, because it feels more natural to be doing this. And because like I'm coming from LA and I knew the director and all the crew, I like understood exactly why they were telling everybody to move that way. But I think that it's like hard to explain to people who didn't come from that background, like why you have to be hitting your mark here and why you have to do this because you don't understand the way that it shows up on the camera, you know? So how have you gotten people to still feel the art of it and be in the craft while still having to deal with logistics like hitting marks? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think what I kind of touched on is like, I don't think all acting, not all acting is going to be all things for you all the time, right? And, you know, if you're so blessed to be in a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Tar or or uh, my favorite movie last year, uh, uh, Triangle of Sadness, right? If you're able to do these really interesting, beautiful independent film or whatever, and you get to explore, I don't know, like the artistry of something, but that doesn't mean a lot of the things that you're going to be doing to get there on your way is maybe that. But I think a real great skill set is learned in all iterations of acting, right? So if you're if it feels very mechanical or reductive and you're having to just hit your mark and say the line, those are skills you need to learn, right? And I also think like the way that we work with actors is getting them to, if you're really listening and processing like we do in life, which is all acting is, then even if it's technical, you're still listening and processing and having an experience. That's the thing that I try to keep reminding actors, even when you feel like you're out of it, if you just keep coming back to listening and reacting, you're still having an experience and an experience will be transmuted through film or through the camera, right? And so I think sometimes actors get too hooked up on the lines and... As we know, anybody can say the lines, but if we don't feel their presence through the lines, it just doesn't matter, right? And so, yes, we have to learn the lines, but the lines are like, to me, the last and the least important part in terms of, and especially if they have a way of um, suppressing your life force, which sometimes happens to actors. They just become, my boyfriend and I saw something last night where, I was like, oh, wow, some of these actors are just saying lines, but it just doesn't kind of, you don't feel them, you know? Yeah. I took yeah. your, um, not your specifically, but I did go to AMAW and I did the intro, um, I think. It was oh, the foundation. Foundation. I did oh, that's foundation. amazing. And I was coming from a school where me and Lauren met. I was coming from a school where it was very much like, you have to know your lines. You have to hit these marks. You have to do the threes. You have to do like very, very technical uh-huh. <laughs> and you got it there <laughs> for like two years and it was it really got to my head and I started stressing out about that I got burnt out like I just didn't want to take classes anymore and then one of my friends told me about well I already knew about your school but one of my friends did it and told me about it and so I was like okay I'm gonna go try it out and it's in person again so that's yeah. exciting 
So I did it. And then I was like, so confused. So I'm like, okay, so you don't want me to learn my lines, right? And they were like, no, it's okay if you don't know your lines. So I was like, are you sure? I'm not going to get into trouble if I don't know my lines. <laughs> and they're like, forget your lines. Like, give me your paper, do yoga and like try to, you know, I, I and I love that. Like once it was like me and my scene partner and she's like, okay, do yoga and say your lines, like read out your lines. And I'm like, that is cool. These are really cool ways to get out of your head and into your body. And that I respect that a lot. Yeah, I think, again, I'm not trying to relegate the lines as something horrible. But I think, you know, because we need to we need to learn them to tell story, right? Mm -hmm. However, comma, why are why is it that some of the best filmmakers often, you know, I just had a student who just tested for something really big. And she was saying in the final, like her, her network test, you know, the director who's really famous was like, just, you know what, let's just put it in your own words. Why do they say that? They say that because the hold on the lines makes actors act. And so I just discovered what, 30 years ago, like to me, the best actors would meet the lines in a way if they were taught to really listen and react as themselves first. And that's really hard because we have so many hangups about ourselves. We're not this enough, we're not that enough, I'm too this, I'm too that. Does this sound right? Is it, you know, all these considerations, all of our judgments about also not trusting ourselves that we're unique and interesting and beautiful and have something to say, right? And I think that's a life lesson. So a lot of what we're teaching are life things encoded in this beautiful skill of acting. But then the lines then get freed and you're, you're not stuck on, I am a robot. Mostly when I work with actors who get sent to me from agents and managers from some kind of training like you're talking about, they say it like they're living dead robots, if that's a thing. They're not really real. They are just freaking lines. I it's so and then we just tried, I just try to get them. I was like, well, how would you say it? And they're like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and then we work from there and they're like, oh my God. And then it just becomes night and day. They become real human beings. So I think that's always going to be the challenge, ladies, right? Of freeing ourselves to the lines. And maybe if the lines become the last part, you get there more organically. Yeah. I'm actually moving to Paris in a month. Well, oh, my gosh. Um, to go to a theater program out in, um, starts in September. And I, the reason why I really want to do this, because I took a workshop last year and nothing was about the lines too like it, it kind of felt like amaw where it's like you you're in it and you're in the moment you're having fun and I felt so silly and just so you know like I didn't feel like I was being a robot I feel like I, I had control but also no control because you know yeah. in it you're free yeah yeah and so I'm so excited to just be out of the tv film you know part of the industry and just go play for a bit until I'm needed back in America Oh, wow. I mean, okay, we definitely have to talk after the call. I'm going to like, I've been told to come to Paris to teach. Yeah, I you know, also yeah, commented yeah. on your on your Instagram post. I was like, come teach in Paris. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have wanted me to come. And I think there's enough English speaking actors there now. Right? I yeah. shot something in Paris a couple of years ago. So I mean, I love the community there. Some incredible actors, but that's beautiful. I think, you know, actually, I think it's all just about freedom right is like trying to get us free and that is really i think what acting that's why acting is such a beautiful calling into the expression of our spirit or our soul or our essence you know and and that there are no rules to that you know it's really the rule or i also say we learn the rules to break them or the older i get i realize all these rules are made up so like just discard them and through a technique that you learn, you're making up your own rules. And so that to me is the greatest gift I could really give an actor is that rather than focusing on a method, like you're building your own method through all the things you're trying. And, and I, but I think like we compare and despair too much. I have a new book out called Unstuck and it's a lot of the themes are around, you know, if an actor doesn't go to drama school, are they doing it wrong or you know, some of the best actors in the world have never taken any kind of acting class. So it begs the question, well, then it, it, that just goes to show you their own way in is through who they are. So I think a good program is really celebrating that. That's the most important part, right? 
how many studios do you have around the world now? And how much <sighs> are you still teaching while you're doing your writing and directing? I mean, that's been hard. I mean, it's a good question, Lauren. Like, I really, it's hard. <laughs> it's I, I feel like I'm going to start crying because it's really, um, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I can do it all. And I guess I did in a way, like, that sounds like, oh, I did it all. But I just feel like I found a way of like, you know, we have, at one point we had 10 schools all over the world. Um, we still have, I mean, like Copenhagen and London and Vancouver and Sydney and, um, oh my gosh, I don't even know all my schools. It's terrible. Mm. So, um, but yeah, 10 schools. So it's been pretty incredible. And I'm just trying to find a way now to take the work that I've been doing in the classroom into my film work and, learning how to say no to, you know, like, so for me, a, a no in one way can be a yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think for your listeners, that's really important. Like sometimes for actors or artists, we constantly say yes to something because we feel like we have to. And I think uh, on the other side, yes, it's important to keep saying yes to things, but not maybe yes to things that you know already how to do. And so for me, I'm saying no to teaching as much as I used to teach Although, like I said, I was just teaching overseas. I was at our Sydney school earlier this year and I'll still do intensives here at the LA school. I'm doing intensives and it's really magical. I just, I'm trying to, I can't do it all in terms of teaching every week. Like I used to. Yeah. Did that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. And no, yeah. I think COVID also the climate crisis, COVID, like I think a lot of things that we're up against to, for me, I'm also older than you guys, like have, have made me also realize like I don't have enough time to be able to do all of it and what's really important. And the schools are really important to me because they are such an, it's an amazing community. When I was in London, so many people came up to me and they're like, you know, what you've created is a community. And I feel like we have community all over the world. And so that's really important to keep fostering that. But I also designed it so that all the schools are doing really well without me having to be there. Yeah. That's I have a question on yeah. how you choose your teachers for your schools. Like what is yeah. your process and what are you looking for in a teacher? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we have some amazing teachers. I have to say, like I've studied with so many of them, you know, at all of our locations. And, you know, I think a lot of them, Either we identify, like early on, I would identify someone and be like, oh, Ash, I think you might be a really, you know, interesting teacher. Have you ever thought about that? And it's kind of how it started because it was just me teaching when I first started, of course, you know, and now we have like 50 teachers worldwide or we wow. did prior, prior to COVID, you know, but yeah, quite a lot. And, uh, you know, they do teacher training. A lot of them have come to LA and did, done immersions in the work. And, you know, every teacher has a slightly different way of explaining the work and helping the actor get free in the work but it's all based on these really simple principles that I think we all believe create the most honest acting I have a question that yeah. and it might be a little bit silly but no, the way that we all go to college and um, people are taught like Meisner Stanislavski and there's all of these teachings do you think that it's going to switch to being the Mendel method and the Chubbuck method and the Haber method? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, well, first of all, it's a great, you guys are asking great questions because I refuse to call mine the Mendel method because I don't think anything can be reduced to a one way. So what, like I said earlier about, I'm just helping actors. I, I'm always adapting. Like for 20, 26 years, I've had the school here in LA. And even though the, the foundation is still the same. It's all listening. It's all listening and reacting as ourselves. That is always going to be the core. But the way the way that we teach has adapted and changed based on the needs of the artists today. It was different than it was. You know, TikTok is a completely different generation, right? So for me, I'm always adapting. I'm not just teaching the same thing over and over again. That would be like, oh. so I don't want to call it my method. I just, cause I feel like it's just your, our life stuff. It's just life, right? I love Margie, by the way, cause Margie is really, she's always teaching. It's just you, it's just you. Same not way character. with you, no lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think, you know, here's the interesting thing. I love that you mentioned Stanislavski because can I just tell you a side note? I think I'm working on another book right now. I don't know. 
about Stanislavski. I was going to call it Stanislavski and me <laughs> because <laughs> I, when I was, this is crazy. So when I was at our Vancouver school, our, one of our head teachers there, he just finished his dissertation and he was set, he, uh, about like acting methodologies through the years. And he had done a lot of research on Stanislavski. And he's like, Tony, you're a lot, you're teaching Stanislavski. And I was like, how dare you? No, I wasn't. And I taught at the Moscow Art Theater uh, in 2017. And I was like, oh, these hallowed halls are going to come crashing down because I'm so anti-Stanislavski. However, I've since done like a deeper dive on his work and discovered that, holy hell, what he was really trying to teach has been lost in a way. First of all, he was so... Um, so he was really interested in, again, he discovered that when the actors memorized their lines, they were awful. And so in his rehearsal process, he would start with an improv and he would back his way. You know, they had a long rehearsal process, like three months or something, but they would work. So let's say they're working on a checkoff piece it, every week or every, I don't know, couple weeks, they would be improving it. And then slowly he would start to kind of spoon the dialogue into the improv so that eventually it was this much improv and no text until the improv met the text basically on opening night. Because his discovery was when actors were saying it in their own words, they were free and real and honest and not robots. Even a hundred years ago, they're fucking acting, I swear. Yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> acting robots about the lines. And so he, oh, look at your donkey. So he was discovering like, if I didn't let them get to the lines until the last minute, they would be really real. And he was revolutionary because the work was so considered real, right? Because prior to that, it was very melodramatic and acted. So I've been doing a deeper dive. And also I thought if I could just say one other thing that I thought was really interesting when he was on, you know, a lot of what he teaches, why my, this one teacher at our Vancouver school thought we were similar is he's talking about being a revolutionary, uh, free thinker. He was, um, uh, an anarchist. He was spiritual. He was talking about spirit and religion, but religion, not in terms of like, you know, religion in terms of, I don't know, the soul. And when he was, when he was on his deathbed, Stalin was coming to power. Stalin was in power and they didn't want a free thinking society. They did not want a people, a citizenry to be thinking for themselves and believe in religion or God or the universe or spirit. They didn't want people to be revolutionary. So they changed the meaning of a lot of his more esoteric stuff into things that have become beats or objectives or, but I think it was a lot more fluid than what we've interpreted it as. Interesting, right? Really. That's super interesting. And I also really love that you have the psychology like element to like in your background, because even in your book at Left Brain Turn Right, like it is very psychological. And that yeah. is something that we can read and be like, okay, this is not like anyone can read this book and it's not going to be like, oh, you have to be an actor to read this book, right? It's going to help anyone in their life. And I like that you have that way of thinking where it's like, okay, this is what Stanislavski was saying this is what people have taken from it but i have another perspective on what it what it actually could have been well i think you're right i think acting is psychology right because it's just our human behavior it's just our way of being in different circumstances and i think we have to know thyself <laughs> to be yeah. a, a good actor you know i always say you're not your best when you're a mess when i was in my 20s i loved being like you know really crazy and out there and chaotic and then but there was no center point of me really discovering who I was and if you're burning the candles at both ends what do you have just have the wick at the end right like there's nothing left so to start to have self-awareness is um to me what creates some of the best acting so yeah I think that is psychologically driven that's funny you say that because the other day I was like I could I could do a mid-career change and maybe become a psychiatrist or something. Yeah, I think you could. <laughs> Let me just really add something think... else to my plate. Yeah, would you want to though? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I kind of do. It's kind of interesting talking to people and, you know, helping them through, helping them discover themselves. I want to go back to 
how we've been talking about how you wear so many different hats in your own life. How yeah. have you been able to balance all of them? I mean, and you're sick, so <laughs> maybe maybe you <laughs> yeah, need to work right. on the balance, but tell us how you've been able to do it's it. My nose is running. Yes, <laughs> for your listeners, I was started the call just saying I got really sick this past weekend and last night was like horrible. But um, you know, I have a boyfriend now who's really helped me like find the balance and you know, it's been really amazing because he reminds me when I'm working too much as a, I'm a recovered workaholic in terms of I'm a Capricorn, I'm German and I'm a child of immigrants. So that's a trifecta of like work. <laughs> yeah, it really, my boyfriend is a Capricorn and oh, uh, he's really instilled workaholism into yes. my household as oh, Osh mentioned. Yeah. Hey, okay. yeah. But Lauren, it's probably good that you you're there to help him. Like we have to balance this out. Oh, no, no. I am also a workaholic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the one. Now we're a throuple. So they're okay. also my boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. So but you're the I'm one who the balances one. them out. Yeah. yeah. That's Reminds me that I'm, I'm doing too much. Yes. Wait, yeah. what sign are you then? Ash, what sign I'm a you? cancer. Oh, and you're a cancer. And Ash, yeah, I'm a Libra. Oh, and you're a Libra. Okay, okay. I mean, listen, I do think there's a lot to be said about signs and, you know, uh, sort of maybe the major characteristic that is, I think, I, I think there are a lot of aspects of Capricorn in me for sure that are, they're very driven and we, I'm learning how to do this. It's taken me 55 years. Our self-worth and self-esteem does not need to be caught up in what we do. Right. And I also think that's an actor challenge too, because we, you know, we define ourselves by, I don't know, like I always joke, like our IMDb ranking or like, I don't know how many, well, social media, how many followers we have now, all these ridiculous, this is not real. I mean, it's just not real, but we create this hierarchy around worth based on these outer, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's really toxic. Yeah. I think we've just like let society do that for us because if yeah. you look at other careers, like my friends in advertising, they don't, they're, they're self-worth and they're, they don't go projecting like, oh yeah, well I have 50 accounts in my, you know, on my right. portfolio or whatever, whatever their terminology is like, yeah. or people don't go around and be like, well, I'm an accountant, you know, like they don't brag about it or yeah. like, that's not their identity. And I think the, so like society has kind of made that like force some people to make that our identity when it really isn't. We're so much more outside of that. And one piece of advice that my manager gave me a couple of months ago, because industry's down and I was like, what more should I be doing? I feel like I'm not doing enough. He literally told me to go take a hike and go focus on something that's not acting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think we, when we put so much energy toward I mean, yes, you have to care about your career, but I think sometimes it can get distorted into desperation. I do feel like the actors that are I don't know, the best actors just kind of give zero fucks. And there is a science around zero fucks. You just cannot. I also say, like, listen, who made people the arbiters of the gatekeepers? Like, why does somebody get to tell an artist you have talent and you don't? That's like already that's a fiction. Like somehow we've inherited this this gatekeeper mentality that somebody gets to decide some executive, some person who's a banker gets to decide whether you're an artist, whether you move them in story. I, and I think like we have to reclaim our own power as storytellers, you know, before there was an industry around acting, you know, I mean, storytelling has been sitting around the fire and we see cave art of, you know, our Neanderthal cousins telling story through, you know, chalk painting on, on caves like it's really incredible they weren't being okay not some executive <laughs> in the neanderthal clan was not like you know i really don't think i like how you drew this buffalo <laughs> it's all crazy when you really start to break it down why do these people get to decide well because that's where the money is i think exchanged and where there is money there is power right but I, I, these aren't things that I really thought about when I was in my 20s. I wanted everybody to just love me. And that still probably is a thing that I'm still trying to work less on. Like, it's yeah. okay. You just got to love yourself. Love yourself in spite of not getting a job. Loving yourself when you make mistakes. Loving yourself and forgiving yourself when you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing. Loving yourself when 
you know, your agent drops you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. The reason that I moved to New York is because I'm in film school oh, and wow. okay, um, great. it's been really interesting. I was joking yesterday when I was on set that I feel like a spy sometimes because it's really shown me my identity as an actor in a way that I wasn't anticipating since now I'm always around like writers, directors, and producers, but it's also helped me, I think, to find like what my own identity is and like, where do I see myself in the world and how am I taking on these new things that I'm learning? Um, but I still do feel like at my core, I relate most to actors. And that's like one thing that I've really taken away from it. Uh -huh. But what I've really liked about it is since the strike has been happening, it's been a great way to be focusing on creating our own content. Osh is actually coming to be in my project next week. And by the way, Osh, I know you've been working on all these techniques about not learning lines, but if you don't learn your lines, I will kill you. <laughs> See? <laughs> See, Anthony, what I have to deal with? I know. Lauren is like really coming down hard on you. <laughs> just learn them rote. Just here's my advice. Because sometimes everybody asks me, well, how do you learn the lines? Just learn them rote. Don't learn them like, please get out of my house right now. Just like, just learn that. Just learn it, learn it, learn it. And then Anthony Hopkins says that. And then, then on set, working off of the person, it's going to come out the way it's supposed to come out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But Lauren, that's yeah. an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, I think actors are really... Listen, I think what we do for a living is really unique, right? And I do think actors are very special because they, um, they're, they're telling, I don't know, they're sharing what it means to be human and yeah. showing other people how to be more human. So yeah. we need more people like that. But, you know, also it's just a job. We have to remember that too. I think sometimes we make the business, the business is a business. And I sometimes in my own uh, idealizing it all and like romanticizing it, I forget, oh shit, it is, it is a huge business. Yeah. You know, yeah. we forget, it's about money. Yeah. And I think if art comes out of it, that's like, great. <laughs> it's like the icing on the cake, but I don't think that's the cake for Hollywood. Hollywood's is just to churn. It's just to churn content and make things, right? Right. So speaking of it being a business, how have you been advising your actors on how to get by during the strike? Yeah, I mean, that's tough, right? Because I mean, SAG is gonna strike as well. And, you know, I think it's also really important because you can maybe create some, again, what we've been talking about is you can create some space around how you identify yourself you know, and use, use it as an opportunity to explore other talents and skills we have. I think sometimes actors just think that they're just actors, but as you are discovering, you're a writer or a producer or a director or an editor, you're like the first AD, you have many other skills, you put people together, you are a storyteller, like in a different level. Like, I think we have so many interesting ancillary skills that I, this is why I think everybody should take an acting class because acting is really just mirroring our own humanity and helps us like sit in the seat of compassion and empathy. And, and I think that it, it can show us other creative insights into ourselves, Right. So I don't know. I think like, I, I think it's a great opportunity just like COVID was, even though it was devastating and awful for many people, it also creates just some, a new awareness or a new opportunity or a lifestyle change. Some people's lives change for the better. They quit the business. You see, I think there's this also this fiction that you can't quit. And I am one who's always advocating the person who, who I think succeeds in Hollywood is the person who stand, stays standing the longest. Yeah, it's true. However, comma, that doesn't mean all people have to like put themselves through that. If they are an imaginative chef or a poet or, you know, like, I don't know, a mushroom expert. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's I, I th sometimes think we do it because we, we feel like we have to do it. And so maybe this time like is to unravel why we're doing things. Mm, mm. that's deep that's yeah. good advice yeah because then like why are you truly why are you here why are, are you we? still standing yeah. yeah yeah and speaking of still standing 
Um, do you have a morning routine or any healthy habits that allow that have allowed you to continue standing in this industry? Oh, wow. And what do you think that you do every day that allows you to persist through the craziness? Uh, I love you guys. You guys ask really great questions. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Lauren, I think for me, oh, I don't know. I just, I really try to practice gratitude and like, I think these are more tears of me having like 103 degree temperature all weekend. Though. <laughs> Thank you no. for doing that. You're going to make me cry. Yeah, no, I no, I cry a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I think for me, like here's my, again, my Buddha is I've been practicing meditation for 26 years and it's really kind of, I always like, well, it's so subtle, like having a practice it, you know, having a meditation practice or a practice where you go inside is so subtle. Like the you can't, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't know what my life would be like had I not started meditating 26 years ago, but mm. I can't imagine it would be what it is because I do feel like a sense of integration uh, to my spirit or my soul in a way that uh, maybe I've always been on that journey and maybe acting has helped accelerate and why I've always loved acting and actors, because I think this, it is spiritual, right? It yeah. is. So I think having a spiritual practice in some form, it can even be going to church, as long as the church is not dogmatic and like, yeah. you know, being anti-drag shows and like, yes, you know, yeah. as long as it's loving and supportive, anything that keeps you connected to self and community, keeps you connected to, you know, I always say like, the thing about life is we're creating meaning as we move forward. And I guess this is why it's hard to be judgmental toward people who have such, I don't know, divisive views that are different from ours, let's say, but you start to see the reason why they believe those things is somewhere in their journey. They, that making meaning for them is giving them some sort of reason to continue, even if it's awful, even if it's marginalizing other people, even if it's, but isn't that what everybody on the planet is doing is they're trying to pull together through policy or law or through just the way they live their life or their own views. Uh, 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 I don't know, a shorthand to try to like survive life. Yeah. And so it does give us empathy. Yeah. Not advocating or condoning, you know, horrible policies or, you know, prejudicial or racial views, but I, I do find it really interesting. Again, the human experience is so, sorry, I went off on a tangent, but that's. No, no, no. And it's actually so funny that you're bringing this up because I'm also a huge meditator and oh, I, wow. okay. um, I really noticed that if I don't meditate in the morning, my entire interactions with people wonky. are different. Like <laughs> I really need it to like be calm when I handle things. But what's so funny about you saying this today is that, so the project that I'm filming with Osh is about Quaker school because I went to Quaker school for 14 years. Oh and Quakers, the way goodness. we practice is meeting for worship where you sit in silence for 45 minutes. And I was doing that from when I was four until 18. So right before talking to you today, I went on a location scout for the meeting room that we're filming our project in. And it occurred to me that I have been meditating my entire life. I just didn't know that meeting for worship was meditation because I've been sitting in silence since I was right. four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's so funny you bring that up because I, I had never put that together, but being back in the meeting room today, like made me so emotional because I hadn't realized how much like sitting in silence and sitting with yourself has always had an impact on me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, if you think about it, how, how do we move through the clutter of all the stuff, right? Like science says we have like 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day. And most of them are like, insane right so how do you find a place that is silent and centered if you're constantly being barraged and especially nowadays with phones where again our brains are not equipped to take on as much data i mean it's crazy when we start to think about what we are ingesting right so it's very hard to find a center. So, wow, I have so many questions about your, so is this movie or this project that you're working on, is it about your Quaker life? Yeah. So it's a coming of age story oh, about my it. time in Quaker school and it, I'm writing, directing, producing, and acting in it. 
um, because I have a workaholism problem and I, <laughs> I can't look As up. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> but it's my story. So it was like really important to me to act in it. And I only have a few years left that I can do these uh, coming of age stories playing them myself, you know? Okay. So. I can't wait to, to hear about it and see it. And Osh is going to be bullying me in it. So oh, I mean, wow. girl. You're a mean girl. Because yeah. she's the weird girl. Quaker girl. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm in Quaker school too. Oh, you're in Quaker all, school. In my character. School. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I'm not, I'm like a nerdy mean girl. You know, I'm really okay. smart. <laughs> so smart. She's not just me. She's also not, smart. I'm just, I'm a smart mean girl. <laughs> I'm just here for the Ivies. I'm trying to get to Ivy school. Okay? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care about anyone else. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but a great time to bring up phones, Osh, because I feel like now is a better time than any to get into our DMs questions. Would you like Yeah. To- I'm going to kick us off. So this okay. is moving away from healthy routines and habits because we yeah. are getting to our DMs. But uh, can you please tell us if you can recall any of the funniest or wildest or intriguing or most inspirational DMs that you have ever received? You mean DMs? like? Yeah, like direct uh, messages on Instagram, like the one that I sent you. You can talk about that one if you want. <laughs> well, you know what? I met my boyfriend through a DM. Wow. And at a bar called Instagram, we like to call it, but it was really yes. Instagram. Yeah. So um, I think that's the most memorable one and, and the most beautiful one. Uh, you know, listen, I think DMs, can I just say like, so I don't know, there's not really a funny story, but when I'm, when we first talked after DMing, I was like, oh, this is my person. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 Just I mean, DMing, you do that? Yeah. Wow. You know what? Instagram, as much mm-hmm. as we hate it, but we also love it because it's a good way to connect with people. Well, that's what and I was going to say. People, yeah. Right. Like you would have never, maybe maybe your paths would have right. crossed, but in the future, right? But like the timing was so correct for you to meet your boyfriend at that time through Instagram is kind of really insane to to even just think about. But also this is how you and I met, right? You reached out and I think like to your listeners, it's important. Use it as a tool to like, don't be crazy. Like sometimes I get crazy DMs. Like I'm not going to like respond to these DMs where people are like, watch my reel. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. You can at least say, hi, Tony. I'm a big fan of your work or compliment me, do something. Right. Instead they're like, watch this reel. What do you think? Or help me in the business. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. How can I help you anyway? But if you reach, oh yeah, I get some, I get some crazy DMs. Put me in your movie. I've, I've heard it all. So those, that answer maybe your question, but I think like, it's great. You reached out and really professional and sweet and you're a fan of my work. And of course, who doesn't want to help somebody? I, I think our business is designed to help each other. And I think we overthink it sometimes. I've reached out to a lot of people. Sometimes they don't ever answer, but I don't care. it's just the way you got to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to your listeners, don't be, don't be scared to, to reach out to somebody you respect or admire and you may you may get a response you may not just don't be crazy in your phrasing don't be crazy just be respectful and yeah yeah, don't ask for a lot don't don't go asking for things that you can't give to someone else great great point yeah you know but i really love the dm of the week this week Um, i'm excited to hear your answer for it so the dm of the week asks if you could start from the beginning what's one thing that you would do differently oh wow i think for me I, it's just taken me a long time to really trust myself, you know, which sounds like make me crazy when people see maybe, I don't know, again, the thing, like a way somebody's perceived isn't always what's going on for the person. Right. And like, for me, like not comparing myself and, and like just trusting that my unique way of doing things is special to me. It's not more special. It's just special to who I am. And so you have to just keep moving in the direction of, of who you each are, I think. And that's, yeah, I think that's what I would, and I'm still working on that, trying to do that more, honor it, listen to it more, be more steadfast in it. It's hard because our business is, well, if you did it this way, or you got to be like her, you got to do it like this, you know, we're constantly being pulled. So that would be, that's my advice or my, yeah. Yeah, no, we see this every day too, even in acting classes, when someone goes up and then we're watching back the film, they're like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. 
Yeah. That is the one thing that everyone says yeah. it wasn't as yeah, bad as right. I thought. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah. Yeah. So why are we, you know, why are we convincing ourselves that we're not good enough and we can't do it? Or, oh my God, it was so horrible. I don't even want to watch it. And then you watch it with like one eye shut or like squinting through it be like, okay, 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 okay. Oh yeah. Oh no. Okay. That was great. Like I, I didn't like fuck it up completely. I know it's crazy too, because I also think I always joke about nobody's really, nobody cares about, nobody cares about you. Let's just put it that way. Because who do we care about the most on a daily basis is ourselves. So nobody's tracking us the way that we track ourselves. And I also think because we're being inundated with so much stuff nowadays, also people just aren't like present to it. They're not, they don't care. Yeah. They're just not tracking it. So I'm not saying you shouldn't, you still need to want to put up good work and you need to want to aspire to be as honest and truthful as you can. But it's so interesting how we get caught up in the minutia of things that people are not even tracking. They're not even tracking it. Yeah. 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 I think care enough to trust yourself, but don't, don't care enough to be like, well, everyone's watching me. Oh my God, I'm going to freak out and I suck. Yeah. 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 And nobody's even thinking that anyway. Yeah. Right? Cuz yeah. we're always thinking it we're always thinking it through our own filter or how would we do it or I, I don't know, it's never yeah. And also I think like the thing to remember for actors is like you're not going to always be liked. Like some people love Jennifer Lawrence, some people don't. Some people yeah. love Meryl Streep, some people don't. Some people love, you know, like I think that these actors are not worried about the people that don't get them. Like the you don't have to get everybody to get you. You just have to do your work. And and people will respond to truthful work, I think. And those yeah. that don't, there's enough for everybody, you know. I think that's the perfect way to close out this episode. So Anthony, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. ladies. Can thank you please you. tell our listeners where they can find you and take classes and stay up to date on what you're up to? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Anthony Mindel. And you can DM me, just don't send me your reel. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, watch this. Um, and you can also follow like, the headquarters studio is at AMAW Studios, but we have schools, like I said, 10 cities all over the world. So depending on what city you're in, you can always uh, you can always DM us to, to find out if we have a school in a city near you. Um, or you can go to our website, anthonymeinel.com. And yeah, I mean, I love so hearing from people. So many books to read. So have, many books. I do have a lot of books. I have five books now, ladies. My latest is on stock. Oh, hell yes. I cannot wait to read that. Yes. Yeah. And all that is in my LinkedIn bio page. Amazing. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. As always, rate, review, subscribe, send us your DMs. We will be posting. I know I'm so bad at this, but we are going to be posting who's coming up um, in the future our guests coming up so if you have any questions for them please keep sending us your dms you guys are doing a good job of sending your dms so please keep doing that anyways and um yeah okay everybody well thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of damsels in the dms until next time it's going down in the dms bye, bye. dms dms we don't need them we just leave them please yeah it's going down in the dms bye Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.